or do something for somebody they didn't like. Anybody? Yes. Okay. Now I think about parents in this situation because uh, how many have you have you ever found yourself in a position where you needed to take your kid to the doctors because they have a broken bone, they need stitches, because they're sick and they do not want to go. They think they could just stay home; it's going to be okay. Or think about the kid who on Monday morning has to go to school and is crying the blues. Please, I don't want to go to school. Please don't make me. That's, that's something that your kid is not going to appreciate hearing, right? How many parents just say, okay, little Josh, it's okay. You can stay home. You know what? Maybe you'll get better. Maybe your broken arm will just heal. How many people do that? None, right? And why don't you do that? Why don't you give in to what your little kid wants? Because their, their heart's broken about having to do something. Why don't you give in to them? Because you know what's better for them, right? You're doing it for their own good. How many kids have ever heard, this is for your own good? Anybody ever heard that as a kid or have ever told your kids, this is only happening for your own good? Or thinking about the person who has had to hear those tough words. Uh, this, this is really for your own good, such as a teacher who says, Josh, if you do not uh, get better grades, you are not going to pass your class. That's not easy to hear. Uh, Josh, if you want to play on the basketball team, you're going to have to hustle. You're going to have to show off or show up at practice more often. Or the boss who comes and says, Josh, you're just not cutting it, right? You're not doing the adequate amount of work. And so if you want to keep your job, you're going to need to improve. Has anybody ever heard anything that sounds remotely like that? I hope you haven't, but if you have, you know that's not something that you want to hear. I don't think your teacher or your coach or your boss is chomping at the bits to tell you those things unless they don't like you. Really, they're telling you those things. Why? It's for? It's for your own good. It's tough to hear, but it's important. Think about the person who has had a yummy breakfast or a yummy lunch, and they come to church or they, they come over to visit, and they got something in their teeth. They got lettuce, or even worse, somebody's standing there with their zipper down. Awkward, right? We, we think, boy, why did I have to see that, right? Because we know what we should do, but nobody wants to get in that kind of situation, confrontation, or that kind of conversation because it's scary and it's awkward, right? Uh, but why would you put yourself in that situation where you go and talk to somebody? It, because it's for their own good. You, you, you don't mean bad, right? You just you feel terrible doing it. I know. Because if I see that situation, I'm embarrassed. Because I don't want to be like, I'm looking at your zipper. or I, that, You know, I don't want people to think those kinds of things. But we do it for their own good. Now, please. If you ever see me with something in my teeth or my zipper down, please tell me. Okay, I don't care how embarrassing, I don't know if you're laughing and pointing, just tell me, okay? I've, had a, I've heard stories of college professors who have stood there in front of the whole class while they're talking because they got a table and it's like this tall and everybody's watching. Everybody starts to realize what's, what's so funny. It gets passed around the room, the professor has no idea. Or the professor who wears his microphone and goes to the bathroom, okay? <laughs> You could say something or come back and say, you know, this is what's going on. Okay, so there's a lot of uh, good examples out there of, of getting involved in situations like that. But you're doing it for the best good of the other person. I want to hear it for the best good of myself, right? I don't want to run around like that. I, I will hopefully take it in the best way possible. Those things really are not life-altering. I mean, I might lose a job. I might flunk a class. I might not get to play on a basketball team. But that's, some of those things is like people just, like it's not big a deal. 
Uh, but what we're talking about today really is a big deal. Exactly the same kind of thing. You're doing it for the good of somebody else. And the two things we're going to look at is we have the responsibility to rebuke somebody if they're doing something wrong. And we also have the responsibility to forgive people if they ask for forgiveness. Those are two massive things that nobody wants to hear. I don't even want to talk about because I know it's hard. Sometimes I feel like I have a rebuke me sticker on my back because people will come up at different points in my life. People have come up and said, Josh, that wasn't nice, that whatever. And it's difficult, but it's, it's just a part of what we're called to do being a family, right? Being part of the body of Christ, we're called to do that. So we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, and looking at this through the eyes of, it's for your own good, and it's for my own good if we do this. I'm going to pray again, and just really ask God that he would give me the words to say, and that this would come out correctly. God, I thank you for your word. God, I have to admit, I don't like every part of it, God. I, I know I don't want to hear necessarily when I'm doing something wrong, and I don't want to tell people if they're doing something wrong. And God, I know forgiveness is a difficult thing, too, because people have been hurt deeply in a lot of ways. And these are just hard things to put into practice. But I pray for the help to do that. And I pray for the help for me to speak your word clearly and accurately. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so very first point is uh, we have an opportunity to sin. Boy, that's profound, right? I know I'm always thinking... Um, it sounds like a duh statement, right? There's an opportunity for us to sin, but that's kind of how it starts. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 3a. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. Okay, so there's an opportunity to sin. You know, it started in the Garden of Eden. There was a little fruit on a tree. I don't know if it oh, I don't know if it had some special flavor and some special name, but there was a little opportunity to sin. Adam and Eve took that opportunity to sin. It was this big. Now, if you fast forward like 6,000 years, you got this big, right? Opportunities to sin. It's, it's multiplied year after year of, of ways that we can sin. In Romans 1.30, it talks about people who are rejecting Jesus, and it's talking about they invent ways of doing evil. They didn't have the technology we have back then. They didn't have all the experience of time back then, but they did a good job back then of inventing ways of doing evil. Now imagine how much worse it is. There, there are some things that are just evil, that are just wrong. You can think of certain forms of entertainment. I don't want anybody's minds to go there, but you understand when I say there are certain movies and certain magazines and certain nightclubs that are just designed wrong, right? There's just no way you can look about that. And you expect opportunities like that to be there to sin. But then there are some things that, uh, things that were meant to be good that can be taken as bad. Uh, last week, if you were gone at the game night, we had 48 people. It was a great time. There's this game, though, called Apples to Apples. That's a very, yes, that's a very innocent, very good game. I was talking to some neighbors this week, or about last week, trying to get them to come to this, and they said, there is a not nice version that we like to play. Come on, you take something good and you can make it bad. Uh, a couple other options here. That was the best one, by the way, apples. Uh, the coffee shop. You know, my wife used to work in a coffee shop. 
and that's completely fine. Whether you like the fufu coffee or the black coffee, it's all good. But people have invented ways to make that not okay because of the way the baristas dress in nil. Okay, practically nil. That's all as far as I want to go. They're taking something good and they're making it bad. They're inventing ways to make things worse. And we, we, we can kind of look and say that's what we expect from the outside world. But I hate to tell you this, and I have to tell this to myself, is that we can be the cause of somebody else to sin. There's, there's, there's avenues galore of ways to sin, but sometimes that can include us as well. Uh, verse 17, verse 1, or chapter 17, verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples and saying, look guys, you can be the cause of somebody else to sin. Because verse 3 says, so watch yourselves. We have watch yourselves that you don't cause someone else to sin, but watch yourselves that you are not the person who is sinning who is ultimately going to need to be rebuked. We can, we can cause people to sin in a variety of ways, you know, uh, even from the pulpit here. And so I would encourage you and challenge you, every time somebody opens up their Bible and starts telling you what it says, if you are in Sunday school, if you are in church, if you're listening on the radio, Get out your word and see if what they're saying is really true because people like me can cause you to sin by telling you something the Bible doesn't say and then you go out and then you put it into practice. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to me. He's talking to everybody who gives uh, scripture to somebody or gives good advice uh, to somebody else. A lot of people like to give good advice outside uh, to, the, to the world, to the Christian world, whatever, but you have to make sure that what you're saying is biblically true or you could be causing somebody else to sin based off of what you feel like is the right thing to say if it's going against what God's word says. My everyday lifestyle, my habits, my, my attitude, my work ethic, um, I have to make sure that I'm living my life the way that God wants me to do or the way he wants me to be. I know it's easy to say, you know what, we're all in the same boat. We are all sinners. And I agree. Okay, I am as bad a sinner as anybody else. I've said up here before, I'm guilty of adultery, I'm guilty of murder, I'm guilty of lying, of theft, of everything, because I broke one, I've broken them all. God looks and says, Josh, you're as guilty as sin. You're as guilty as you can possibly be. But that doesn't put anybody off the hook. We can't say everybody's like this, so it's not that big a deal. Sin is a very big deal in the eyes of God. Which leads us to the, to, the, to the first responsibility is if you see your brother in sin, it is your responsibility to rebuke him. This is where you're seeing that lettuce in their teeth and you say, I don't want to go. I don't want to tell them their zipper's down. I don't want to tell someone they're going to flunk their test, but it's for their own good. It says if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. So the first thing, if he's doing something wrong, contrary to scripture, it's your job to go up and let them know that. You know, there are times people do things that are wrong and they're, they're not doing it on purpose. They just didn't realize that it wasn't okay. It's our job to rebuke them, to confront them, to, to say this is not how it lines up with scripture. Because what he's doing is wrong for himself, but he can also be leading other people to do the wrong thing. Verse two says, if you cause someone else to sin, you should take one of these great big millstones, which they would have as far as I understand the picture of it, is you have two big millstones, one on top of each other with grain in between, and it's getting twisted around. And as it's grinding the grain, the, the flour starts to fall, and, and it says this big honking, weighty thing, it's better for you to have it as a necklace, 
and to be dropped into the depths of the sea than for you to do that. Now, if you have said, you know what, I have caused people to sin, don't go commit suicide, okay? We're not going to put this big weight around your neck and drop you into the sea. That's not what God wants because that would be a sin, okay? That's not what he's saying. But he's giving how sin really is. It's easy to act like it's not that big a deal, but it is. My sin, uh, October 28th, 11.32 in Plevna, Montana, my sin of Josh McLaughlin, who's standing up here, has cost Jesus his life. My sin, all by myself, put Jesus on that cross. And that is a big deal. It was a, it's a big deal to Jesus because he's the one who paid. It's a big deal to God who gave his son to die on the cross for my sin. And so it's, it is, it's something that we can't just say everybody's doing it. It's not that big a deal. I can overlook it. It's something that it's a big thing that God wants us to do. And he gives us in his word that we are supposed to do this. Okay, so let's just you see me with lettuce in my teeth. You see me with sin in my life. And you've got the guts to do this. You know, hopefully if you're, you're not chomping at the bits to do this, like I just can't wait to nail them. Because if you do have that attitude, you're probably not ready to come tell me about the sin in my life. But if you see that I'm doing something wrong and you want to confront me, that's, that's the right thing to do. Here's kind of how I would suggest to do it. First, I'd say pray about it, okay? Make sure that your heart is right, but make sure that my heart is right, that I would receive the rebuke well. Because not everybody wants to hear that they're not doing something right, but God knows what's going on in my mind, and he can help me to be receptive to hearing what I need to hear. So pray about it. The second thing is I would say go to that person one-on-one. -on -one. Okay, don't go tell your neighbor what someone did against you or what wrong someone else is doing. Don't come tell me. I don't need to know. Go talk to that person and say, you know what, Leslie? This is not okay. As, as nicely as you can, or did you realize that you were doing this? And, and she'll say, no, I didn't realize that. I'm sorry. Thank you for letting me know. Go humbly and go gently, right? If you're going to go talk to somebody and say, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, don't go like the bear that's excited to tell them because nobody, I guarantee you, wants to hear that you're doing something wrong with somebody laughing and excited and happy to tell you, right? I want someone to confront me gently and nice and uh, with a, a meek attitude, right? So that's how you need to go and do this. This is giving your kid a shot or taking him to the doctor to give him the shot. Uh, it's, it's for their own good, which is why you do this. Uh, there's an example uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 where Paul has, has, in a sense, he has done this. And he didn't like doing this either. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 and 9, it says, Even if I have caused you sorrow by my letter... I do not regret it, though I did regret it, because someone feels bad if they have to go confront somebody. I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance. That's the idea. When you go to somebody and you tell them, that's your motive, is you want them to be right before God and that everybody can be happy about it. It's hard to go. Even Paul struggled with it, but that was an excuse not to do this. And in America... I'll, all I can speak for is America because I've never lived in any other country. I don't, I don't know what it's like there, but I know in America, we have, we're very careful not to step on other people's toes. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody, and I don't want to either. But sometimes, if you're going to live a godly life, 
it is going to be hard. It is going to be offensive. People are not going to like to hear or to see you live your life the way you do. In 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, if you live a righteous life, you will be persecuted. You will be persecuted because it's offensive to people. They don't want to hear uh, that they're sinners, right? That's just one example of telling somebody that their sin or that what they're doing is not correct is going to be offensive. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, we have another picture of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. It says, For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other we are the fragrance of life. It's offensive. We're not talking about a barbecue death here, right, where it smells good and you just can't wait to go eat this. We are the smell of death to people because they don't like it. It's offensive. Picture a rotting cow or a rotting body or something that just is bad to smell, right? That's what we come across like to the world. And that's a tough place to be. And so when you go and rebuke your brother, you might come across offensive. When you go and tell somebody they're doing something that they are not supposed to do, it is going to be hard. It may not be well received. It may be difficult. Uh, we have, I've tried this a, a few times in my life. Uh, one example that I had, I didn't go real well, and I didn't really get as really that far into it, uh, but when we were first married, uh, we had an uncle that was not married to the woman that he was living with. And we were going to have Thanksgiving at our house. And this guy, um, as far as the family knew, claimed to be a Christian. And if he was going to live in this life of sin, it was my job, even as a scared 25-year-old, to, to bring this to let him know. Because if for some reason he didn't know, or hopefully he would change his actions. Well, I called him up and I just said, hey, Uncle Josh, uh, do you consider yourself a Christian? Because if he doesn't consider himself a Christian, I'm going to stop the conversation right there and say, come on over for Thanksgiving. Because you're a sinner living in sin, it doesn't even really matter. But if he says, you're my, yes, I am a Christian, I have the responsibility to go or, or, or to let him know that he's not doing the right thing. And so I called him up on the phone because of the distance, because it would be better to do in person. You get eye-to-eye -eye contact and that kind of thing. But the guy said, I don't have to tell you anything. It's not, I don't have to... And from then on, he was very polite. Even though he told the whole world he was a jerk on the phone, he was very polite. He said, I don't have to tell you that. Okay, click. And that was it. Guess how the rest of the family took that? Anybody say atom bomb? Boom, right? This was like a terrible, and guess who looked like the bad guys? We did. Everybody was mad at us for trying to do, to ask the one question because there was a brother or an uncle that we had that was living in sin. Since that point, I've sort of duct taped the relationship back together, and it's destroyed for other reasons that has nothing to do with us, thankfully. But it was a scary thing to do. So going to rebuke somebody is very hard. But guess what the flip side is? Sometimes somebody might come and rebuke me, right? And I, I've told you guys this example about when I was about 15 years old, there was... There was a, about a 10 or 12-year-old boy in Awana that came and rebuked me. Okay, he, he did it the right way. I didn't like it. He took me into a different room. He worked up the guts and said the way I was acting towards those kids wasn't right. He didn't think it was right. I was too, I was too hard on them, not because I was trying to make them learn the verses, but I was too snippy. And, and you know what? I wanted to punch this little kid. Like, 
come on, you don't understand what I'm going through here. But ultimately, I had to say, you know what? I had to eat humble pie. I had to say, you're right, I'm sorry. And I had to go in there with my kids and start trying to be a better leader. But this kid had guts. He had nerves. He was willing to confront me, and it went well for him. So it's not fun. It's almost going to rebuke me. You know, because sometimes people will come and tell you, this is my opinion. Sometimes they'll use scripture. But whatever, whatever motive people have, whatever attitude they have towards coming towards you, I want you to try to take a deep breath and look at it from the vantage point that this is for my own good. Is this really right? If it is, change your life. If it's not, then just chalk it up as somebody's opinion and keep moving on. But look at it as this is for my own good that somebody is trying to tell me this. It is not fun, okay? I miserable in my head thinking about this because I know what is difficult to do. And I'm not thinking like, okay, look, I'm going to go rebuke Scott. I'm going to go rebuke uh, Steve. I'm going to go rebuke, no, because I don't think that way. I'm not even, I just know that opportunities have come in my life. I know opportunities are going to come in your life. And this is a very difficult thing people don't want to do. And I don't want to do it either. I hate this message. I would rather stand on tax than say this because I don't like this, but it's what's here. So we have the responsibility to rebuke our brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, if they sin against us, if you see them in sin, it's our responsibility because it's for their own good. But we also have the responsibility to forgive. And that's the other side of the coin. I don't know if that side's any easier to hear or not, but we find the same truth in Scripture. It says, if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Now, the, the rabbis of that day, from what I've read since I wasn't there, uh, they, they said that if you forgave three times, you were perfect. That's all you had to do, just forgive somebody three times. That's hard enough, right? You can think of people that you don't even want to forgive one time, let alone three times, but the rabbi said three is good enough. They're, they're not going to change. The Christians of the day said, we're going to amp up, up this one, and we're going to make it four times. We're going to forgive four times. Peter, in a different passage, says, how many times do I have to forgive? Seven? I'm going to take what the rabbis say, I'm going to take what the Christians say, and I'm going to add them together. And if I forgive seven times, shouldn't that be enough? And in that passage, Jesus says, no, 77 times. He's not saying take out your little tally book and start keeping record. It's, it's like the same from this passage. Jesus uses the passage of seven, or the verses of seven times in one day, meaning as many times as it takes. If Leslie sins against me and she comes and apologizes to me, I need to forgive her as many times as it takes. Now, I, I have to tell you, uh, either God has blessed me with a short-term memory, or he just says, I haven't gone through anything really that bad because I can't think of something in my life where I'm like, I, I just can't stand what this person did. I can't forgive this person. But I bet there are people out here or people that we know who feel that way because of X, Y, and Z that someone has done to me. And they're like, I just can't move on. I just can't forgive. And that's, that's a, a very scary place to be because if someone, if Leslie comes to, and confesses to me and I say, I won't forgive you, guess who will forgive her if she asks for forgiveness? The Sunday school answer, who is it? God will, right? I can be a jerk and not forgive her. But God says, I will forgive you, okay? Josh has his own problems, but I will forgive you, and the slate is wiped clean, if that's the case. Um, anyway, it, 
I know it's difficult to forgive. I know people have lots of hurts and lots of struggles that they have gone through that they have scars. You know, Jesus, uh, you know, God in uh, Rome, Psalms 103, verse 8 says, as far as the east is from the west, he removes our sins from us. My, my head is only like five inches across, right? I can't toss anything from one side of my brain to the other as far as the east is from the west. And so I know it's hard to forget. I can't just in my mind decide, I'm not going to remember this anymore. I know it's going to be there, but we need to forgive. We need to move on. We need to let it go, right? Everybody knows the song, let it go. You need to let it go. If someone asks for forgiveness, let it go. Because we need to remember in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of the sins that we have committed as well. When we, when we don't forgive, it really just affects us the most. And I, I know a person in my family that is not going to forgive anybody. We've talked to her, talked to her, talked to her. It's not going to do it because she just is not willing to, even though she would say she's a Christian, she's not willing to, to get past that point. She's the one who's struggling with bitterness, with anger, with resentment. Anybody know someone like that? They are just so hard-hearted towards somebody that they just can't handle how they, every time they talk about this person, anytime they're around this person, it's, they're just angry. So the, if, you, if somebody's not forgiving, they're the person who struggles the most. But also we struggle spiritually if we're not willing to forgive. Because if we're not willing to forgive, then we are sinning ourselves. That's what we're just saying. We're, we're really, we're no different from somebody else. I'm not going to forgive this person for what they did. But I'm sitting myself, God doesn't, he doesn't look on that with favor and say, okay, you're justified. It's really not okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 says, if you don't forgive somebody else, God is not going to forgive you. Boy, that's, that's a good reminder to make sure that we forgive people. And I don't know for sure what that means. I've, I've read some commentaries. I've heard preachers say it. Uh, there's two different ways to look at that. One is that the person who is not willing to forgive is not really truly saved themselves because they don't understand what forgiveness meant in their life. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know in Matthew chapter 7, it says people are going to stand before God and say, Lord, didn't we do all these miracles? Didn't we do all these things in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, I didn't know you. So doing all these things isn't going to prove that somebody's a Christian. So un un not willing to forgive is going to have this kind of the same effect where Jesus can say, look, you think you knew me, but you really didn't because you were not willing to forgive. But it also could be this broken fellowship with God. My relationship with God is broken with sin, and including un, unforgiveness. In Psalm 66, verse 18, it says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Meaning, if I have unconfessed sin in my life, and I'm not even including unforgiveness, God is not going to listen to my prayers. Over and over through the Old Testament, you read about the Israelites trying to live this life of sin, they're crying the blues, God, get us out of here, but they will not change their lifestyle. And God says, I am not listening. He hears what they're saying, but he says, I'm not doing anything about it. So if I am not willing to forgive other people, God is not going to forgive me. He's not even going to listen to the prayers that I am praying until I make that right with him. On the flip side, if you need to, to be forgiven or if somebody rebukes you, ask for forgiveness. It's a two-way street. If, if, yes, just, just make sure that you do that. Now, 
you look at that, you say, okay, going to rebuke my brother is a very difficult thing to do. I really don't think I can do that. Uh, forgiving somebody who's done this terrible wrong in my life, I don't think I can do that either. They're both 